Welcome to another edition of Side Boob Cinema brought to you by the New Flesh Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and collaborator, Mr. Jonathan Astro. And of course, AJ, how are you guys going today? Good, good. Uh, I'm, I am pumped. Yes, so am I. Uh, I've been hanging out to uh, rewatch Police Academy for some time now. I think a lot of people are. Like, like there's a lot of love online. People are, people are really, you know, there's, this movie seems to, I think, hit people, uh, you know, right in, right in the bread basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a special place in everyone's heart for this movie. The city was full of it. Hey! Free TV! Desperate measures were needed. Watch you to go to the police academy. The police academy is such a dangerous place. Honey, don't worry. Desperate measures were taken. I'm joining the police force! The mayor says we have to take this riffraff. I'm trapped here? Oh, yes. We all are. What about guns? When do we get guns? You will be schooled. Firearms, police procedures, local laws, and many, many other things. High-speed driving. And self-defense. I need a volunteer. That's me! I love it! I love it! Police Academy. Police Academy, here's a short here's a short synopsis for you, all right? A shortfall of police officers triggers a directive from City Hall that loosens the entry requirements for the police force. Okay, are you with me? <laughs> are you with me? <laughs> okay, this, <laughs> this causes a wave of new recruits to apply to like a zany police academy. And we experience this story through Mahoney, a smart mouth dropout, you know, with, a, with an authority problem. And after screwing up yet again, Mahoney's given like an ultimatum by a, a cop friend of his father, his late father, uh, and the the deal is simple: complete police recruit training or go to jail. And what follows is uh, many much hijinks of um, the police recruits, the new police recruits. Has anyone had people seen this movie in a while, or what's your history it, with? Police it's Academy? been a while. It's been a long while. For me, I, I can't remember the last time I saw the original Police Academy. I think I saw Police Academy 3 a few years ago. But this, this movie is, is kind of tattooed, tattooed on my brain. I think so many aspects of this movie have become iconic. The music's iconic. The, the characters, you know, no one can forget Tackleberry or uh, Mahoney, Harris, Hightower, Hooks. Like, they're just, names are iconic, the characters are iconic, even the Police Academy logo and font. As soon as I saw it on screen, I was like, yep, yep, iconic. Mm. And, of course, the practical jokes, I think they've become iconic as well. Mm. I think you've really hit on it there with the characters. I really think if I had to sum up why this movie has, you know, the reach it does, I, I really do think it's the characters. We've got an incredible cast of characters and, get this, some of my favourites aren't even in this one. <laughs> At least two of my favourites aren't even in the first movie. So it's got, it's brimming with characters and, you know, a, a cynical person would say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're one-dimensional. And you say, well, you know, that that I would say a, a posit- it's a comedy. So comedy plays by different rules. And quite simply, these characters are clearly drawn and they all have 
clear wants and desires and uh, you know, you know, characterizations. You know, we know what Tackleberry is about. You know, <laughs> we know that Jones just he just needs to do wacky sound effects, and that's why he got arrested. Actually, we don't know what Jones got. Would that change it if they said that Jones was arrested for 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 killing a guy? <laughs> well, he'd never make it into the police force if he killed a guy. No, but but um, Mahoney says at the beginning. He says, oh, "I want my friend to come with me." Joe, you know. Uh, uh, Jones and then um, Jones comes with him, but we don't know why Jones is. Oh no, he says he just did the he did the machine gun sound, and that's why mm. he arrested. Uh, so, yeah. okay, all right, that was just me working that through <laughs> in my brain, getting <laughs> <laughs> that straight. <laughs> so, does anyone who who are our favorite characters? My favorite when I was little was definitely Hooks. Hooks, I loved Hooks, but at the same time, I feel like my I definitely had a hard crush on Mahoney. That's big. And I was little, so that's kind of gross. Well, do you follow him? Do you follow Steve on um, Instagram? I don't, but I will. You should. He's he's got a really sweet, like, motivational account. Aww. Like, you know, I I, uh, I I listened to some of the videos and, and I was like, oh, he's like, I felt he's like really positive. He's talking about dedication and determination and stuff. So he should... I think it might rekindle the flames for you. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. So check out um, um, Steve Gutenberg's account. So Hooks and Mahoney for you. Ricky, come on. Who's your favourite? Well, I'd I'd have to say probably Mahoney. Um, Watching it just the other day, I really love Commandant Lassard. I I Mm. think he's very, very funny. Uh, But I think as as a kid, as a kid, it was Jones, Hightower and Mahoney probably. Yeah. Yep. When I was a kid, I loved Tackleberry. That's so obvious. I think he's there for kids, you know? Right. Because he's got he's you know, guns and all that. In my notes about Tuckleberry, it says that he definitely thought that it was okay to have a chubby in the beach scene. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Katie laughed at that bit. Yes. Katie laughed at that bit. <laughs> Had the big eyes. He was she goes, ogling. The, ch- the chicks just take off their tops, and Katie, Katie was like, "Why, why?" <laughs> and then she saw Tackleberry's face, and she went, "Ha ha ha!" <laughs> so, have have you guys go. ever been to a party, any sort of party, where chicks just start taking their tops off? No, never. I'm trying to remember if I've. Yeah, I think I've got my tits out once at a party. <laughs> <laughs> We went to different parties. I think mine's mine. I think I went to pizza and Pepsi parties. You know, <laughs> losers. I actually think it was at a wedding that I got my tits out. <laughs> Rock and roll wedding. No, the closest I've, I've only ever seen it done at um, festivals and stuff. Like I went to ACC, ACDC a couple of years ago, and um, they've got a whole song called "The Jack," and they film the crowd and all the chicks. Um, on their, their boyfriend's shoulders, with, you know, the camera trains on them. And this is at Olympic Park, like, so huge stadium. Um, and they, they projected it on the screen and one after the other, sure enough, it happened. Rocket chicks don't give a fuck. Mm. How there. old are these birds there? Yeah, well, <laughs> I would have, if, if, if they were Shreks, I would have led with that. All right. <laughs> you weren't seeing any floppy titties. No, and if that was part of the story, I wouldn't have told the story. That's what you need to. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I would have, I would have, I would have um, you know, I would have done Total Recall, wiped my brain. Okay, I don't care. I said it. I said it. I'm sorry, lady. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be sorry for getting me to confess like that. Uh, shit. Anyway, so yeah, that party was great. That's never happened to me. Tackleberry, I used to love him, but now I think I see. I really love Harris, you know. Mm. My, and, and one, a couple of my favorite, as I said, my favorite character. Some of my favorite characters aren't in this movie. I love um, Proctor, who's Harris's offsider. He's yeah, in yeah. the other ones, and um, uh, and um, you know, Bobcat Goldthwait, Obviously, he's in the other ones. Sweet Chuck is another one. He's not in this one, but I really like Harris because I really appreciate. Um, you know, generous performers who give themselves over 100%, like to be a fool and and to be mm. like there's a character in 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 a few 80s movies, William Atherton. He played the EPA guy in Ghostbusters, you know, or um, he's the same bad guy in Real Genius. He's the guy who says like, you know, Bill Murray says, you know, um, ask nicely and he's like, may, may I please see your facility? <laughs> Do you remember, <laughs> yeah, you remember yeah, that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's William Atherton, and <laughs> and I appreciate it. Actually, Harris in in Police Academy, he plays a similar goof in Mannequin. He does. So yeah. he's the security guard in Mannequin. Mm, so yeah. I really love these generous performers because think about it. When you and this we we know this because Frank Major Frank Burns in Mash, he he got so much heat from people just saying, "Hey Burns, you asshole!" Like just on the <laughs> streets, like just almost send you to a loony bin, you know. So Harris, I feel I really love it when 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 people can play a fool and really enjoy it, you know, because I mean, it's a, the, the dark side of some actors is that, you know, it's a certain kind of actor who's very prideful and and doesn't want to appear um, negative in any, in any way. It's the worst, mm-hmm. probably the worst trait a, a performer can have. And the, the, the best trait is that generosity of spirit. And I really think Harris has that for me. And he does such funny yelling, you know? <laughs> oh, I wrote down all of the insults. Oh, come on, give me some. Because they were great. Rat face, dirt bags, scum buckets. Uh, The calling someone fatso, I laughed so hard when he called Barbara a fatso. Um, Barbara's got a double double feminine name, Leslie Barbara. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheap. (laughs) Filth bags, butt breath. They're just great. Dirt bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Barbara one is great. So Barbara is like they're, they're doing their, their morning drills or whatever they're running and, and Barbara, he's being fat. So he's, he's lagging really behind and Harris is behind him and he says to him, he says, he goes, he goes, I could show a movie on that butt dirt bag of fat soul. <laughs> I could show a movie on that butt. You know? Great stuff. And fat soul. Fat soul is uh, probably one of the most underrated slams. I'm surprised that Trump hasn't said it. Oh, you know? that's a good point. It's so it's there is no coming back from Fatso. <laughs> He's a bit of a Fatso, so is it hard? He to doesn't call? care. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't care. That's always the best when the person is a pig themselves. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think you might be right. Um, so the origins of the film. I got this from from a website. One of the producers, I didn't know this. So, because I mean, part of you goes, how the fuck did this movie even happen? Like, I mean, you know, because let's, we've said it before, this movie isn't getting made today, despite the talks of reboot. Like, it's this is not the sort of movie that would happen today. 
Uh, which is funny because there's a there's a huge. We'll get onto this maybe. Is, is the, the remind, remind me to talk about this? We'll, we'll get opinions. The differential between critics and audiences on this movie. You know mm. what I mean? But firstly, the producer Paul Maslansky says. Uh, I noticed a bunch of ludicrous-looking police cadets being dressed down by a frustrated sergeant. They were an unbelievable bunch, including a lady who must have weighed over 200 pounds and a flabby man of well over 50. Uh, I asked, he sounds like Trump. I asked the sergeant about him and he explained the mayor had ordered the department to accept a broad spectrum from the academy. We have to take him in. And the only thing we can do is wash him out. Maslansky said he wondered, but oh, what if they actually made it? That's great. <laughs> there you go. That's an origin story. He was like, it's a what if is these these no hopers, the as he says, two hundred pound woman and a flabby man <laughs> well over fifty. What if they made it? <laughs> you know, and then a masterpiece was born. Yeah. So yeah. but 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 there's the point. Have you because you you must have come across critical reactions or even reactions of, you know, some people just you know, reviews, Leonard Moulton, whoever, have you noticed the huge differential between how popular and successful this movie is and how hated it is among, among critics? Well, it's one of the rare occasions that uh, Roger Ebert gave it zero. <laughs> so he's, I think <laughs> he's only gave, I think, I think he's only given zero to a, to a handful of other films. He's dead, AJ. Can you just say that about someone? He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should have used it. I should have said piss ant. <laughs> that's one of Harris's. Yeah, Mahoney, my little pissant. Another one. Another another 10 out of 10 slam. Again, white Trump. That is Trump to a T, you pissant. Like that, there's no coming back from that. Nothing there you isn't. can say. Nothing. Game over. <laughs> so yeah, zero from Roger Ebert. Yeah. Right. Zero. What was the other movie that he gave zero to? Sorry. Uh, the only the only one I can remember is uh, a movie called I Spit on Your Grave, which uh, oh yeah, great Astro and I yeah we're we're fans of this film. Yeah. I mean you know that unfortunately will be used against us one day in a in a in a in an international court <laughs> <laughs> of misogyny, the court of misogyny. They'll yeah. say, do you think that Miyazaki's I Spit on Your Grave is pretty good? <laughs> and I'd look at you and you'd look at me and I'd go, yeah, that's pretty good. And they go, hmm, I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> I, I don't think I've met someone who doesn't like this film, who, who, who doesn't look fondly upon Police Academy. They may admit nowadays that, I don't know, that, that, that the humour's a bit bawdier or maybe it's a bit cheesy or it's, you know, it's a little bit whatever, but everyone has fond memories of watching this when they were younger. Yeah, it takes you back. I don't know, but I feel like we might, you know, we might be in a bit of an echo chamber. Like I, I desperately want to know what newer audiences think of it. Like, you know, what does, uh, a young, I don't like to use those those labels for generations, but what is what are people younger than, you know, 30s and 40s think of, of Police Academy, you know? I mean... Because it's uh, it's certainly off the chain, you know. I mean, it's it would be interesting to know because the 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 current generation sees Friends as the the Friends sitcom as problematic. So if they think that's problematic, then holy fuck, wait till they watch Police Academy. I have a mm. I have a theory though. I feel like it is that 
that that phenomenon is limited. I feel like that is what we're what we're getting there is amplification of a small group of people of of wokesters. I don't think a reasonable, like young loose person, if you just show them, I think police gave me they they might like, you know, be more attuned to some of the stuff that's that's beyond the pale. But I don't think you know. I mean, they're going to be, um, you know, completely like that. That friends thing is 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 mind blowing. Like people. Mm. Like it's it's been turned into a meme, hasn't it? The person who's hot under a collar about friends. Like that happened to me once. I went to a um, uh, like an industry. Katie dragged me to some industry thing. It was a, someone's birthday party, but it was essentially all these industry people and these film people and stuff. And this woman was talking to me, and she was saying, "Oh, it was a couple of years ago now." But she was like, "Oh, oh, I'm so sorry." Like apologizing for that, she'd watched Friends and saying, "Oh, it's it's so terrible, like gay panic and all this stuff." And I was like, "I was like, hey, 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 hey." I was like, "Who are you talking to?" Like, we're so. <laughs> audience we're not in Colbert's like audience you know mm. like don't don't you don't just just be normal and and you're not being fair to friends like like you know like to go down the rabbit hole it's like that what they were doing was completely uncontroversial at the time and secondly there's a lot of the, you know Chandler and Joey do, does anyone think that Chandler Chandler and Joey's like uh light home homophobia is um, a manual on how to live life. Does it, does anyone think that that the that the people who make that show are saying to you, "Oh, you need to go out and be as as worried about being a catching gay as Joey is"? You know, <laughs> aren't we laughing at them because they're idiots? That's right. Yeah, isn't that the point? Well, I'm not laughing at all. That's that's the gay <laughs> panic joke, right? So uh, the gay gay panic joke is seen these days as deeply offensive, but. But I think people misunderstand this joke. I, I think the joke's really on on the people who get hot under the collar and get panicked about being perceived as gay. So the joke's really on the straight male characters in in whatever mm. show it is. And there's a famous example of this in in Seinfeld. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say that. I'm not quite sure what the episode's called, but it's the one where they say there's you know not that there's anything wrong with that. And uh, it's an episode where a journalist is writing a piece on Jerry and George and gets the impression that they're a gay couple and they get a bit hot under the collar about it. And um, yeah, I think I think it's it's hilarious. We're not laughing at gay people. We're laughing at the people that get hot under the collar about being perceived as gay. And I think well, that that's actually a bit cleverer. That episode that we're hmm. laughing we're laughing at a particular moment. We're laughing at a moment in history. We're laughing at a, at a pivot point. Like if it was ten years earlier, like in Police Academy, you'd have sleeping some fags. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I remember I, my in my brain. I was like, "How am I going to say this without saying the f word?" And then you go, "You just said it." Thank you very much. So you know, Mahoney says that he's a lead character, and ten years late, ten or fifteen years later, we have Seinfeld, and they are dramatizing or making fun of and bringing us along with them um, a a new moment in history where. You know these these old school anxieties about like you know these 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 concreted anxieties about being gay or whatever what that means uh, are there, but but also this encroaching acceptance and that con- and the tension between those two things because mm. there's no tension in Police Academy, which, there's no <laughs> not, there's not there's no not that there's anything wrong with that. Nah. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> well, I I still think the oyster bar scenes are hilarious. Oh. It was. I was. I was laughing out loud. <laughs> I was fully. I was losing it. And, last and night. this is this is a reoccurring gag too, isn't it? The the oyster bar happens in. I, I can't remember. Does it happen in all police academy movies? It definitely. Uh, happens I, in I want you to. Li- you you you. 
you listen here, all right? The, Wiki, the Wikipedia page is very sparse, but some champion has, like, there's almost no details on, on certain aspects of the film. And there's a whole section that just says, Blue Oyster Bar. <laughs> and it says, get this, the Blue Oyster Bar is a fictional gay bar and the setting of a recurring gag scene. <laughs> the bar is a stereotypical depiction of a Leatherman's bear slash bear gay bar featuring patrons dressed up as bikers in leather clothing and police officers, sailors, and other stereotypical masculine gay fashion archetypes. Then they've given you a little breakdown here. Here you go. Asked and answered, Your Honour. In the first film, cadets Blanks and Copeland, uh, the first time they go in is intentional and the second is accidental. There you go. (laughs) Next up, Sweet Chuck, one of my favourite characters, second film. While trying to escape Zed's gang. That's when he goes in there, all right? Next up, <laughs> second film, Shulman Mahoney Hightower. Second film, due to a riot, they just they get they go in there. Okay. Fourth, third and fourth, third and fourth films, Proctor, another one of my favorites. Fourth <laughs> film, Captain Harris and Proctor. <laughs> okay. I am upset that they didn't put what songs were on. Well, it's always the same one. Oh, oh, is yeah. it? Will da, you still da, love da, me da, tomorrow? Da, da, da. No, but then they played Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. Oh, did it's, they? oh that's right. They played that the second time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we came back and they were they were that's usually the moment in the gag when one of the characters like, yeah, is sort of has given in to the yeah. to the to the Leatherman's way of yeah. life. Yeah. And they're slow slow dancing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, let it be, but, but what? <laughs> so, but <laughs> oh, Mike loves it. <laughs> I do love the blue oyster bar. <laughs> so, but think about like, so, but that's interesting. I feel like this is this is one of the main takeaways because you know this film is, despite what we just said, I think we'll come back to this because I think this movie is progressive. I think this movie is about inclusion. Do you know what I mean? Like if we're talking about today, this movie is about marginalised people, blacks, fat guys, fake Hispanics, um, and and women. Women are there too, all right? They seize their opportunity and they learn competence and they succeed, you know, and it's about a lot of the characters overcome their, because they've been given, it's a message, the message is clear. Give people the opportunity, the equality of opportunity, and they will succeed, Yeah. Hooks, yep. uh, Barbara, everyone gets their moment to succeed. And get this, in 1984, there are three main black characters in this movie, three main. And they all, so the, the, the critique you could offer, because you got to think about the critique, people go, oh, yeah, but they're, they're one-dimensional. One guy's a sound effects guy, one guy's really tall, and one chick's like, you know, talks real quiet. And you say, yeah, it's a comedy. Most of the characters are, you know, Let's let's say um, not three dimensional, two dimensional, maybe if if not one. But they're an ensemble, so you're are, not. Yeah. They are an ensemble, but I'm saying that all the characters are draw, painted with the same brush. You know as mm. much about hooks as you do about Barbara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely. So if you look at the the percentages, there are three characters, and this is what drives me crazy: is that I watch this movie, all of these movies as a kid, and this was my training ground for the, the future, you know. I mean, I didn't learn uh, some of the lessons I, I, I let go through the keeper, but I'm saying that 
it, this diversity, this vision of diversity, like I, I honestly, I mean, I know that it's offensive to say now, but everyone in the in the cast, they were my friends, you know, like Jones and Hightower and 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 Mahoney and 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 Hooks and and I never ever, you know, really even thought about it. And um, whereas now they would they would treat it differently. So the I mean, just just to round it round it, I want to get your guys' ideas on that idea of inclusion, you know, um, but but also. You know, the blind spot of this movie is the relentless homophobia. <laughs> okay. All right. There's and so there's it's not so much the blue oyster bar, which is which is an extreme nah. uh uh subculture. It is <laughs> it's these casual slams, you know, that go on. Like um uh so Lassard's giving his speech and um <laughs> and the dog comes up and hunts his leg and um there'll be many 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 things and then the dog and then then barbara comes up and gets his dog and he goes princess come here and he goes princess looks more like a prince to me (laughs) and then and then harris takes the dog and he says oh he's um he says he's a he's like you know uh he's frightened or whatever and he goes oh he's a queer (laughs) you know (laughs) so Little things that all seem to add up. But did you say there was another bit that? Well, oh, the, you thinking the, of the, the podium? Yeah, the yeah. podium, the podium blowjob. So, yeah. So how how does the hooker get in the podium again? I think that they're they're, uh, they're they're doing I think a bunk inspection or a room inspection. Yeah, and so they've got to run this hooker out of the room and they hide underneath this podium. And so Commandant Lassard gets up to do this speech to some higher ups in the police force and uh, she starts sucking him off. What I don't understand. Oh, now I get it. The whole point. <laughs> I was always confused because uh-huh. Mahoney, he does it like he says, he says to her, like, I like to do it in weird places. And he takes her to the, to the podium and then he tells her, I'm not the customer. Someone else is mm. the customer. And yeah, then that yeah. means, so that means that he wanted Lassard to get the BJ, but is that because he wanted to get kicked out? Oh, because he, yeah, yeah, is he still trying to get kicked out at that point of the movie? I think he probably is. Ah, yeah, yeah, I think he so. Is. I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah. and that's why he kind of made it out like it was him. Ah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, when when Lassard leaves the podium, leaves the podium and looks back, it's not the chick who comes out first from under the podium. It's Mahoney. Yeah, and so With he thinks grin. He thinks that he's been blown by Mahoney. He thinks that Lassard thinks that Mahoney has given him performed fellatio. He the only thing that was missing was he should have wiped his mouth. Well, if it was Van Wilder, he would have. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't go that far. They didn't go that far. Apparently, the director was really not happy with all the gross out stuff. He sort of put up with that, you oh, know, really? that stuff. Those, those scenes were all sort of mandated. He said that he had to do them. Right. I was disappointed to hear that. <laughs> I can't believe we were all under 10 watching this. I know. Oh. I know. I saw this I much love younger than I should have. Parents not giving a fuck. I wasn't born when it came out, so it was pretty quick yeah. into, my, the parents, <laughs> into my living. They just didn't care. Did not give a fuck. They were just like, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. But it was a family movie. Well, to be honest, like, look, the they do, and we'll, they do get progressively more cartoonish and more uh, like Warner Brothers backlots, hijinks, fun. They, they do. It's, the other ones are definitely less sexy. Definitely. Hmm. There's no titties in the other ones and there's like the sex stuff is like really, it's, it's, it's really hinted at. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, um, there's no, there's no, because the blowjobs like you even see your head kind of moving back and no. forth. A bit. 
It's raw. <laughs> you know? And you hear the zipper. Yeah, yeah, you do. There's none of that yeah. in the other ones. <laughs> that's taken out. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, what do we think about this idea that this movie, you know, for its time, is progressive and is about inclusion? It's the 80s version of the diversity hire, right? Well, yeah. And, um, you know, if it was done now, because the thing is, the homophobia, incrementalism means that as a society we get slowly, you know, we sort this these civil rights issues out, you know, like mm. um, slower than than we would like, but they do get they do get sorted out. I I think you know, and um, like you know that's liberal democracy, right? And if we did want, like if we did it today, it would have you know trans people and there'd be there'd be queers. I mean queer, I mean queer people. Is that right? Do we say queers or you fucked up? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, queer. <laughs> There'd be a couple of queers. There'd definitely be queers in it, okay, is what I'm, is what I'm saying. They'd be in it and we'd be rooting for them is what I'm saying, all right? So, yeah, I feel like because the thing is what these wokesters want to do is take everything and and apply. It's called critical theory for a reason, you know. They want to be critical. So you could watch this movie and not see the, those po- the positive messages of, of all the characters, all the growth that everyone has and all the fun, and you could just sit there and say, oh, well, like, you know, as Joe Rogan said recently, you can never be woke enough, right? Mm. So you could just constantly say, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. Oh, what's this fellatio, is it? Oh, God, oh, that's terrible. Oh, look, no, Tackleberry, he likes the titties, does he? Oh, I bet he would. <laughs> I bet he would. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, he was so happy. That's the happy. only time in the movie. Like he's just he had a full chub. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very realistic. Um, yeah, it's a realistic uh uh face that he pulls, you know. So, uh, also, maybe maybe you can talk about this uh Ricky. How many comedies can you sing the theme to? Mm, yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? How yeah. many comedies out there? Like not just fucking comedies, mm. modern comedies. Like, like I mean, I can't sing anything from Mean Girls, you know. I can't. No, I, well, I don't know well, any. Well, like, this this comes from a different era where comedies had scores. You know, like if you think of of um, say some of the Steve Martin comedies from back in the day, like House Sitter or mm. um, uh, or, or something like like uh, the the Bill Murray movie What About Bob? Like these things have have proper Danny Elfman, scores. yeah, Danny scores. Elfman sort mm. of scores. They're quirky and they're, yeah, they're unique. Whereas nowadays, it's just they 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 put put pop songs on and you know source source music. None of it, none of it score anymore. So originally, they actually wanted Elmer Bernstein to do the music for this one, uh, and he's famous for oh. for doing The Great Escape and and a bunch of other uh, soundtracks. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's it's great. It's a, it's another iconic element of of the film. Mm. You you said it. Iconic is really really hard, you know. And I feel like this movie is a triumph in many ways because it is hated critically. Like if you read critical reviews, people do not like this movie. And it would have come mm. at a time. It's come in the eighties after the, one of the greatest eras in in cinema, the seventies, uh, and it would just be a symbol of everything that's wrong with the world. But you know, and it's got obviously got some shaky stuff in it, and it's like really goofy and really on the nose at some point. But it does, you know what? This is the great thing about film. Sometimes it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't mm. matter. The sum 
is greater than the parts. Like it all adds up. Like it doesn't matter if there's some characters who, if there's bad acting, it doesn't matter if the if the story's thin in parts. It has captured you emotionally. You like that academy, you know. I mean, what fucking Ebert's talk? Oh no, no. I read some review somewhere where I, online. It might have been Ebert. I don't. I'm not going to dance on Ebert's grave like you, AJ. I'll just say it was. It was a reviewer <laughs> online. And they were talking about how unrealistic the police academy was and how leafy and green. I'm like, fuck you, man. It was great. I want to, I like hanging out there. And I did for yeah. hours and hours as a kid. So it's a, it's wonderful. The music like sucks you in. As soon as you see the font, you feel good. They feel like, mm. you, you know, you've got this sort of parasocial relationship with the characters, these, you know, these people that you you want to see succeed. You want, you're like, oh, I want to see Jones do you know, more sound effects. Mm. I want Tackleberry to, you know, get more guns and have a hard on for guns, you know, like, I mean, yeah. it's. And it's a, him to use a gun. You want hooks to use her voice. Yes. Mm. You want you want Callahan to get him out. Oh, yes. everyone's just dying for it. She's got that one in. Was it number number three or four? Maybe where she says, "Who wants to save me in the pool?" Oh yes, jumping. I remember that. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> well, of course you do. <laughs> I bet you do. No, but she's such an interesting vision of femininity. Like as a so um, unconventional and and you know strong, like in a way mm. that we we don't normally see on screen. You know, mm-hmm. like she's. She has, you know, it was such a fascinating, um, uh, probably, the, yeah, one of the first times as a kid that you encounter, like, yeah, proud, like, like sort of like sexy muscle woman, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, don't really, it's, whereas Kim Cattrall is playing what you'd expect, you know? Mm. Kittenish, you know? Yeah. Coquettish, <laughs> do I, dare I say. Um, so, yeah, fantastic stuff. I've got some trivia for you guys if you're up for it. Hit me. Okay, so uh, Michael Winslow, who plays Jones, does all the sound effects. He was inserted into the film after the producer saw him open for Count Basie, and he insisted that he had to be in the film. Uh, Jones, Tackleberry, and uh, Commandant Lassard, they're the only characters to appear in all seven Police Academy movies. Uh, I don't think they had much going on, so they're in all seven. That's big, but a lot of them did multiple they did, yeah. A lot of them were in, yeah. Those those three are, are, are the only ones to do all seven, yeah. Uh, Hooks came up with her voice based on a chance meeting with Michael Jackson. <laughs> she's doing a parody of Michael Jackson. That is great. You would like that, Astro. Yeah. That is good. <laughs> uh, I've got another Hooks trivia thing for you here. Uh, Hooks wore a, wore a fat suit throughout the film. The idea that she would get slimmer as she progressed through the training, but halfway through filming, uh, the filmmakers they thought it would be funnier to keep her fat. So there's actually only one scene in the in the finished film, and that's the graduating parade where Hooks is without a fat suit. Rewind your VHS and check that out. It's so punishing because today's standards, she just looks yeah, um, kind of normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a list here of actors considered for the role of Mahoney. Okay. So Billy Crystal, Ooh. Tom Hanks, Ooh. Michael Michael Keaton, Bill Murray, Judge Reinhold, Robin Williams, Bruce Willis, John Travolta, and Rick Moranis, and this is the big one, Jerry Seinfeld. Could you imagine Jerry Seinfeld playing Mahoney? <laughs> 
No. Because <laughs> it took eight or nine seasons of Seinfeld for him to get oh, passable. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also, he's the he's the most successful clean comedian. Mm. You know? Never swears. I think all those actors would have worked. You know, I mean, I love, but having said that, I really do love um, Steve Goodenberg. Like he is, he's, yeah, he's yeah. all heart, you know, and I think that's mm. why you yeah. get, he, you know, and, you, and it's funny just seeing his Instagram account and, and uh, it, it made me think about what's so special about him, you know, because look, to be fair, he's not Daniel Day-Lewis, all right, let's be, and he would, he would happily admit that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I think what he brings to Cocoon and this and Three Men and a Baby is, he brings this 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 warmth. Like, the, I mean, mm. you just want to. You, you're like, oh, can, can can I be a friend? Like, mm. you're like a just a nice guy. And maybe that's why some of the some of the dirtiest stuff or whatever in this first one maybe doesn't really wash as well because he's so nice and so, you know, um, he doesn't really suit the the full pig man, you know. But he is he is a bit of a player, a bit of a you know swashbuckler. I think he pulls pulls that yeah, off. Yeah, actually. He does peeping in this yeah. movie, and he does peeping in Cocoon. Cocoon, he's mm. got peeping. Well, I've got I've, my last piece of trivia here for you guys is Steve Gutenberg uh, ties um, Gene Hackman for making the most films between 1980 and 1990. So how's that? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so they, they loved him back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So did I. Established <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I think we'd stop. We've got to talk about the Me Too scale here. Let's get serious. All right. Ronan Farrow, he's here. He's joined me here. He wants to know what you think of the behavior in this movie out of 10. That's our Me Too scale. You know, you know I don't need to tell you that, you know, zero means nothing to see here. Zero is, is, is like, Awokes this paradise, all right? It's just like everyone in jumpsuits, looking at each other, nodding, <laughs> signing forms before they before you you meet someone, let alone you know have sex with them. Uh, and then as we go up towards ten, ten is is Cosby sweater, all right? Get on your Cosby, get on your Cosby sweater. You Spanish fly, um, you know. I know I shouldn't have brought up Cosby because he was left out. Oh. He's back. He's back. back with a vengeance. All right. Well, that's the Me Too scale. I think I'm going to go. Uh, 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 look, here's the charges I'm going to read out to you. Lead character Me Too is the love interest and is rewarded. That's true. <laughs> All right. So first time he meets Kate Kim Petrol, he said he pretend he 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 schemes uh, and tricks her and pretends to be an authority figure and says. Uh, give me your phone number and show me your thighs. And leans over, biting his bottom lip as he as he like leans forward to go, mm, like check it out, you know, like want to check out the thighs. And she loves it. She loves it. And she's she, at the party later. She's like, do you want to go for a walk? You know, he's like, she's like, I can't handle these titties out. But she's like, let's go for a walk. And then almost immediately has sex with him. So that is charge number one. Charge number two, um, uh, female sex workers are used as props. Uh, revenge props, in fact. So um, this hooker is used uh, by two bad characters, but then she's rehired by Common on the side. So this woman is just sexually available uh, to use as as men will. Like really, it's just gags. It's just a fun and games. Here, go and blow my friend under a podium. All right. What do you think of that? 
damning charges there. Last up, Mahoney <laughs> spies on shower chicks just casually. You know, he's got a beer. With a beer. <laughs> a beer. And then like, and Harris gets caught. Or, so I'm going to go big. I think this needs to be a 7 out of 10. Because Mahoney, if it was bad characters, it needs to be a 7 because, you know, Mahoney's wicked and it made me want to get a beer and look in a shower block. You know? Mm. I didn't do it. So Mahoney's the gateway drug for you in this case. He's the gateway to peeping for you. Yeah. What do we think? Well, I, I think I agree. Yeah, it's definitely around the seven. AJ? So I think there might be a disconnect because every time you guys have gone high, I've gone low. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you, just give us the score. What, what do you, what okay, is it? so, I, well, I was going to say fucking three. <laughs> and fucking fucking three, <laughs> fucking three. Uh, can, right. can I can I propose a theory here? Okay, is it because Mahoney's hot? Oh, maybe. Uh, no, oh. don't say that because you've you've validated Ricky's theory. He said in previous podcasts that he believes that, um, you know, there's two rules. It's like, you know, if you're a, if you try it on with a woman and you're 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 um, pig man like a like you, you're disgusting then you know that <gasps> then it's it's it, it's bad but if you do it and you're hot if you're Bieber and you're saying i get my peaches down in georgia and you're doing that <laughs> then they're like oh yes please awesome oh what do you think problematic come on, <laughs> come on. well yeah i think well i i think it's the danger aspect that i rate highly for Right. I felt so, in danger last week. With so the it's rape. like Kim. So Kim Cattrall's character, although he was like, "Show me your thighs," like it was no, there was no trouble that was happening that she couldn't have easily diffused or gotten out of. So yeah, she could have hit him and never spoken to him again, and I yeah. think he would have copped it. He would have said, "Oh, you know, I got to try, got to try and get your number and see your naked thighs for free." Yeah. Oh, I don't think he would have said anything. I think she would have hit him over the head, and it could have been more hijinks. But you know why? Why her character doesn't doesn't hit him? It's because he's hot. Yeah, because he's hot. There you go. I think my theory has, uh, there's mounting evidence to support my theory. Dark day. Yes. (laughs) Well, that, well, okay. Well, anyway, that's the Me Too scale. We've all, we've all said what we've said. That's what I'll say. Uh, And um, we'll let the courts decide at a later date. My final thoughts uh, silly, sexy. A big screw you to the establishment. Bring on number two. Oh, Pike, you go. Okay. Uh, gay panic, uh, boobies, left me wanting more. Okay. I'll say a grand time with, an, with some old friends. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that is good. That's good. All right. Well, uh, we're going. Look, I told you we were going big. All right. So next week, get fucking sit the fuck down. It's Porky's time, all right? It's time for Porky's. We're doing it. So Bob Bob Clark's Porky's is coming up next week uh, for y'all, okay? And uh, I, well, I guess that pretty much wraps up uh, today's today's Sideboob Cinema, I would have thought. Ricky? Excellent. Bring on next week. Yes. Well, bring on next week for Sideboob, but if you want a little bit of something different, um, you can tune in tomorrow for... uh, Another show, uh, uh, our burning topic, um, or don't. <laughs> <If you> don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> See you tomorrow, everyone. Bye.
Peace. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. <laughs> Had the big eyes. He was just ogling.